We want to welcome you to Olivet United Methodist Church here in sunny Robbinsdale, Minnesota. It's a great privilege and an honor to come by way of television into your homes. Um, we appreciate your feedback. We appreciate your prayers, um, your financial support. Um, like many churches, um, we are observing um, distancing. We, we're not really allowed to have books in the church. And so we have no Bibles, we have no hymnals, um, only the printed material. And I print a number of scriptures in the bulletins. We ask that you pick up the bulletin and you take it home. Um, we don't want any transfer of you know, any germs or viruses. So we believe in pro proper distancing. I will be wearing my mask when I come within 10 feet of people and we, we will be observing that. And if you're by way of television, you have no worries. You have no worries. Um, we're not going to transfer anything by way of the airways. But we want to welcome you to our, our worship service. For many of you, this is the only means of, of worship that you have. And we want to maintain that. And we feel honored and we feel privileged to be able to come into your homes. And many of you are so faithful of watching us and giving us feedback on our worship service. And to begin with this morning, we're going to um, turn in our bulletins to, um, to divine judgment. And this we take from our, our hymnals. We make copies. So um, you can remain seated, and then I'll be calling on Boone, and he'll be sharing with us um, number 653. But... Let's look at 652, 652 in, in our bulletins. I want to remind you that in the last days there will come scoffers, scoffers who will do every wrong they can think of, and they will laugh at the truth. This will be their line of argument. So Jesus promised to come back. Did he? Then where is he? He'll never come. Why, as far back as anyone can remember, everything has remained exactly as it was since the first day of creation. They, these scoffers, they deliberately forget this fact that God dis did destroy the world with a mighty flood long after he had made the heavens by the word of his command and had used the waters to form the earth and to surround it. And God has commanded that the earth and the heavens be stored away for a great bonfire at the judgment day when all ungodly will perish. Now the day of the Lord is surely coming as an unexpectedly as a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the heavenly bodies will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be burned up. And so since everything around us is going to melt away what holy, godly lives we should be living. You should look forward to that day and hurry it along, the day when God will set the heavens on fire and the heavenly bodies will melt and disappear in flames. But we are looking forward to God's promise of new heavens and a new earth afterwards, where there will be no only goodness. Now, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen and for yeah, Jesus to come, try hard to live without sinning, and be at peace with everyone so that he will be pleased with you when he returns. And 
remember why he is waiting. He is giving us time to get his message of salvation out to others. And that's taken from 2 Peter chapter 3 in the New Testament. Now, if you would please stand, and Boone, would you please come and lead us in 653, please? 653, Love and Discipleship. And if you'd stand and turn in your bulletins to this scripture as Boone comes. And this scripture is taken from the Bible, John, the 13th chapter, 1 John 1 and 3. We'll uh, read responsibly, Love and Discipleship. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in the darkness still. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and in it, there is no cause for stumbling. But he who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. It does not appear that we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone will purifies himself as he is pure. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren he who does not love remains in death. By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in deed and truth. Amen. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. And you may be seated, and if Mike would come, if Mike would come and prepare um, us for moments with the laity and the scripture leading, and let us go to prayer. Father, this morning we just want to thank you for scripture. We want to thank you for those by way of television this morning. And this is their only means of, of worship, those who are... Um, unable to get out, and those who may be in prison, and those who maybe almost feel like prisoners within their own homes. We do pray for those who are unable to get out because of the COVID-19 situation and are fearful and frightened. We thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to bring before them our, our worship. We ask, O oh Lord, your, your blessings upon the scripture to Today, as we look at Matthew chapter 20, 1 through 16, and as we view the new church, and especially our denomination, which we should become aware of, we pray for members of our congregation that may be suffering from difficulties, and we 
our brother, as I prayed this morning for, for his wife, and there, there's many arthritic situations and spine problems and body aches and out in our midst. And among our audience, by way of television, we do reach out and those who are reaching towards us now in their prayers of support, we pray that you would bless and keep them as you taught us all to pray, sing together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. And with us today, we're privileged to have Mike. Amen, Mike. Would you come and share with us I'm from God's Word according to Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16, please. Good morning. Our lesson today, our sermon, is based on Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Coming out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why did you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more. They'd been there all day. But each of them also received one denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled to the householder, saying, These last work only an hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden the whole day and the scorching heat. But he replied to them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for Daenerys? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to have to give this to the last as I give to you. I am not allowed, am I not allowed to, to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge me my generosity? Initially, what we saw here was a vineyard owner. He cared enough about his operation. He was going down to personally look at it. It's about 6 o'clock in the morning, 6 a.m. The practice back then was to pay workers at the end of the day. There wasn't a two-week paycheck. The pay was that day when they were done. That was according to the Torah. He was paying the workers one denarius. That equals about $100 for us. He visited a third hour, or 9 a.m. 
he made sure he made trips again on the 6th, 9th, and finally the 11th hour. The 6th hour was at noon, and 9th was at 3, and finally at the 11th hour, it was 5 o'clock. On his trip on the 3rd hour, or 9, he came across men standing around. He asked, what are you doing? And they replied, no one has hired us. So he told them to go work in his vineyard. You know, I think he wanted to ensure enough workers showed up to get in the harvest before it was spoiled. He did the same thing on the sixth and ninth hours. Except for these people that he hired, he didn't mention any pay. He didn't say denarius. He just said, go work in my vineyards and I'll pay you. And they did. On one of the trips, he hired the additional workers and they were just standing around. And he told them, I will pay you whatever is right. He didn't give them a dollar amount. He just said, go work here instead of standing around and I'll pay you what, what, I, what is right. I think maybe he did this because he was more worried about taking the harvest and not worried at all about the money he used to produce it. He wanted the harvest and he wanted it before it spoiled. In verse 12, morning hires, oh wait, later that day the landowner sent the steward down with specific instructions to compensate the workers. The last man hired first and the first man would be paid last. Accordingly, the last hired came and received their unmentioned denarius. Remember, he didn't tell them they were working for a denarius, but he gave it to them. Then those that hired first came and got their greed on denarius. In verse 12, the morning hires went up to the landowner, vineyard owner, and they complained. Hey, these last, they've only worked an hour in the scorching heat. But they, you paid them equal. The owner replied clearly and said that he had not done them anything wrong. They had agreed to work for denarius, and that's exactly what they were paid. He finished by telling them that it was his money and wasn't he able to do with it what he saw fit? Finally he stated, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me to work for Daenerys today? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to the last as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to choose what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? And the last will be paid first and the first will be last. Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give the last just as I gave to you. The last will be first saying is repeated from chapter 19, verse 30. And again here in chapter 20, verse 16. Just know, anytime Jesus repeats something in the Bible, you should probably pay more attention to it. It's very important. The lesson for us here to learn is that God does not hand out Payment, according to the word, amount of work we do or accomplish, God uses one scale, faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Remember the thief on the cross next to Jesus? He said, you are the son of God, and Jesus told them, today you will see me in paradise. You know, he was a criminal. He may have never taken communion, never attended church, or even said a prayer in his entire life. 
he had faith at that last moment on the cross, and Jesus said, you're going with me. Our prayer should always include, and your will be done. Why? You know what? Our will is not as important as his will. When, if we, if we say your will be done, he may bless us another way with the answer to that prayer. It may not be exactly what we asked for, but I'll guarantee you, it will be as good or better than what you prayed for. We should always give thanks to God that he's included those that we would consider unworthy, like the thief or murderer on the cross next to Jesus. He never went to church. He never said a prayer. He didn't belong there. He may very well be there because he showed faith on his last breath. The first will be last and the last will be first. I'll say that again. Those considered first here on earth with the money, the nice cars, the expensive re uh, restaurants, meals, the yacht, the plane, whatever it is, when they have faith in Jesus Christ, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what they own. Doesn't matter where they went. Do you know what matters? How they showed people that Jesus Christ is alive and loves them. He doesn't judge people on earth by have or have nots, did or did nots. Like I say, he only judges on one thing. One thing gets you to heaven. Faith in his son, Jesus Christ. All heavenly rewards, earth rewards go away, earthly rewards, they're gone when we're gone. They mean nothing. But what counts is our faith in Jesus Christ. And that is how our rewards are based in heaven. Thank you. Would you stand, please? Let us turn to number 654, 654. What always impresses me with Mike, he's always very um, biblical and historical. And I try to bring the contemporaryness of our faith according to the, the Bible and according to history and according to contemporary. As many of you know that we'll be starting our Zoom if by way of television and any here want to continue with us in our Revelation study. The, um, the responsive reading here is taken from Revelations 21 in your Bibles. Eight. Or 654, please. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall. High, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them, in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And I saw no temple therein for the Lord God Almighty, and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, 
and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them were, which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you. You may be seated. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. We all look forward to that, that new heaven and new earth where there's no more sickness, no more sadness, no more um, dying. As the scripture referred to, uh, was a, a difficult scripture, you know. Um, I don't know how many of you probably, um, you know, maybe work a 40-hour week, and then if you were working a 40-hour week, and, you know, the, the um, individuals that just happened to miss the first four and a half days or so of work um, were paid the same as those who worked all five days. You've seen some people come to work maybe the last few hours on a Friday and they get the same amount of pay as those who had labored all week, which is kind of, you know, what the scripture is dealing with. It's kind of like that 11th hour Christian who who um, gone through their entire life running away from God, away from the church, away from what was right, and then suddenly on their deathbed, they, they said, oh, I, I need some fire insurance. I just, I want to accept Jesus. And Jesus, that's, accepts that person, forgives their sin. And there's that whole process of grace. It's not because of our previous works, but because of the death, burial of Jesus Christ that we, we end up in heaven. It's not because of any works of righteousness. But Jesus encourages us that the best, the best life that you can possibly live is, is serving him right now. The best payment that you can give to your employer is, is making sure that you're there five days a week, you know, and 24-7 or so. Well, within the United Methodist Church, we're kind of facing a dilemma. And it's not only the United Methodist Church, it's every denomination. Um, it's true in politics, and it's true in the church. You know, there's certain protocols that were always true. You know, scripture's always true, tradition, reason, and experience. And those were the, what John Wesley referred to as his quadrilateral um, theology, that there were four, four reasons to base your faith and your trust in. And one was scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. And you try to filter filter your choices, your decisions in life, always with scripture first, then what tradition has held to, then reason and experience. There's a segment of, of um, Methodism that's growing and it's called the confessing movement. It's because they, they rely totally and wholeheartedly upon scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. And and they have adopted a, a protocol, and it's 
due to a mediation team for consideration by the General Conference, and it was to be here in Minneapolis in 2020, May of 2020, but because of COVID-19, it was postponed till 2021, to provide steps for separation within the United Methodist Church. In the next report was regarding the meeting in Atlanta, Atlanta uh, to move forward on additional plans for separation. And at that Atlanta meeting, which was kind of before the, the COVID, among the proposals, it was agreed upon to establish a new group to further expand preparation, just preparation for the separation. You know, I've been privileged to be near a lot of the conveners and have a listening ear and and there's so much confusion and even meeting meeting on Zoom uh, and various means of um, communication. Um, it's it's it complicates. It's it's not never easy. The focus has been on adopting a transitional transitional book of discipline and doctrines to govern this new denomination. Whenever you talk about new doctrines and new disciplines. And, and initially it was the liberal church that said, we're gonna break away. We're gonna break away from conservative Methodism. Well, when the liberals began to realize that they had to um, divide up the trust, the trust clauses of all the Methodist churches, not concerning all of the the Methodist nursing homes and all the publishing houses and all of the hymnals and looking at the books of discipline and all the curriculum, they, they begin to realize, well, we don't want to walk away from the Methodist church. We'll let the conservatives walk away and take on all the, the heavy costs of, of breaking the trust, which the trust is who, who owns uh, uh, the seminaries, who owns all of the colleges, and who owns all the, the pensions, and who owns all of the um, the trusts of the grounds, and the, all the campgrounds, and all the churches, and all the lands. This new denomination can adopt their own at this inaugural um, convening conference, which has not been yet scheduled yet, it's not been scheduled yet. A number of issues have been reviewed and adopted, including the doctrine and the social witness. The social witness is basically, you know, what we stand for, your convictions, your, your beliefs. And this statement includes giving local churches more flexibility in organization for ministry and, and professing members. It provides the vows of membership to be made following um, appropriate counsel from the pastor. And the pastor has been given much more authority as an in charge of the authority to determine the readiness of any person to assume the vows of membership. And, and the professing members are encouraged to participate in a class meeting, and it goes back to the class meetings of early, early Methodism, John and Charles Wesley didn't want to start a new church. They just wanted to renovate the Anglican church. And initially, 
Methodist were class members. And then society said, oh, they are so methodical that the, the word method stuck. Method stuck. They were even considered by some to be Bible moths. Bible moths because they were they're always carrying their Bibles. They were just like moths on wool. And they were using their Bibles. The committee has adopted this provision governing how local congregations align with new church, church um, governing, how we govern as a congregation. Churches which align with this new church by congregational votes to separate from the United Church Annual Conference of which they were a part and other Christian congregations are, are not a part of the United Methodist Church who desire to be a part of a new church. Many individuals have contacted um, the various um, groups that are breaking away. There's the WCA, the Wesleyan Association of Christians, which goes to the various roots of Christendom. And then there's a confessing movement, which is basically almost the same, but allowed more local governance. We can govern, our, govern ourselves and adopt primarily our own disciplines and our own doctrines. And the individuals have contacted the confessing movement with questions um, concerning the possibility of the general conference, which was supposed to be held in May of 2020, but because of COVID, and now, now they're looking at 2021 being even postponed, bumping it even further. If the pandemic is still a factor next year, can the conference be held using some form of creative technology such as Zoom and would the central conference delegates be able to get their visas, their visas to attend the conference in Minneapolis? Because you're talking about basically only probably 120th representation from the United States, the other 80 to 90% are in foreign countries. Um, Prior to the pandemic, there had been such high hopes for the adoption of a new protocol, an agreement whereby there might be some amicable separation into two different expressions of Methodism in the May of 2020, which was postponed. The thought of the General Conference 2020-21 possibly being pushed back gives congregations and individuals concern about how the church will continue for four more years. Four more years because it's jurisdictional and the general conference is held every four years with the same conflicts we face now. And meanwhile, meanwhile, the church is, is hurting. Um, conference reports and statistics indicate more membership and attendance declined, some even close to 10% a year. Conference budgets are being slashed, some by as much as 20% in the Episcopal Fund, the, which supports the salaries and work of bishops is in special trouble. The, the Great Plains Conference reported that six churches have disaffiliated from the United Methodist Church under the provisions of legislation from the 2019 General Conference, allowing churches to 
disaffiliate because of conscience on the issue of homosexuality practice. And the confessing movement, along with other evangelical renewal groups, are, are fielding questions from churches not wanting to wait until 2021 because we don't even know if the General Conference will be meeting in 2021. And at the moment, no one has any special wisdom as to what the months ahead will hold. And there is at least some talk that if necessary, and especially if the 2020 General Conference is not held, churches who wish, wish to be evangelical and wish to be traditional in their understanding of scripture in their faith may organize this new expression. Anyway, many are praying the trust, this trust clause and allowing churches to leave, leave before 2021 could be reached. We are headed towards some sort of division. For this we probably need to give thanks. Praying that a vaccine or a treatment will be released soon for the coronavirus. Um, however, if that is not the case, one possibility is to have a plan of separation without the passage of the protocol and the approval of the general conference. We thought we had problems when we were growing up. In light of the concerns that the general conference 2021 could be delayed because of the coronavirus. Many congregations are ready to leave now. Many large mega churches in the Methodist church are breaking away, taking their assets, spending much of their budgets on legal fees. Church members are impatient for faithful preaching and, and teaching, and, and some are in fact going down the streets to other church denominations that preach the the truth of the gospel. They are concerned about the church and their peers that are unwilling to wait. I know five churches in the Mississippi Annual Conference alone, including the Orchard and Topeka, the Get Well Road Church. I, I kind of like that title, Get Well Road Church, United Methodist and South Haven. They've already lifted the church and several more are still in the process and you're talking about mega churches, three to 5,000 that worship on a Sunday morning. In July of 2020, the denomination also lost a mega church in Indiana called Granger. Granger Community United Methodist Church. This is a significance since Granger has a membership of over 4,000 and they worship over 3,300 on a Sunday morning it's the 10th largest church in the denomination. And in the case of Granger United Methodist Church, the departure was not under legislation passed at the General Conference of 2019, which allows a church to leave the denomination over issues related to homosexuality, paragraph 2553, but, but under another disciplinary provision, paragraph 2549, which allows a church officially to close, close, then reopen. And once they close, in which case the property, property reverts back to the annual conference in the trust, and then for the congregation to purchase the assets and liabilities, which other denominations and Lutherans and Presbyterians have used this clause 
And then from the conference, and the re, they reorganize it as an independent church because the denomination can handle the debt and the legal fees. And while many churches' um, departures take place under duress and tension, the Granger negotiations were civil and very amicable. And the conference and the church agreed to a, a payment of nearly $3 million from Granger to the conference. And much of this for Granger's share of the unfunded liabilities of the conference pension programs and for the health subsidies funded for retired clergy and the two years of apportionments. Now much, much of the debate about such things as ordaining, ordaining and appointing practicing gay or lesbian or transgender pastors to local churches has up to this point been conducted by those on the general, general church level. Local churches have had to settle with the higher echelons, dictates. While local churches have sometimes discussed these things, most have not declared publicly where they are committed. This will change sometime in the months to come. When there is some form of separation, local churches will need to decide what form of Methodism they wish to identify with. If an annual conference decides it wants to identify with these loosening, loosening standards, the local church can continue with the present structure of the church by doing nothing, thus continuing with the position of the conference. But alternatively, the local church could vote to separate and identify with a new expression of Methodism, which will maintain traditional doctrine and moral standards that the church has historically stood for. If an annual conference votes to affiliate with the new Methodist group, the local church will go with the annual conference unless they vote to do otherwise. And at this time, at this time, nothing is for sure until after the general conference. If a local church affiliates with a new denomination, the trust clause, the trust clause which stipulates that ultimately properties belong to the annual conference will not be in effect. In other words, the local church keeps and will hold title to the property. Now, it's obvious that many local churches are not of one mind in these matters. Pastors have indicated that they expect some very painful discussions within even their local congregations. As I look at this, I, I see a lot of whereases. Say it with, with me, whereases. Whereas, whereas, suppose, suppose it worked out that churches and pastors and institutions that are committed to historic Christianity and the Wesleyan tradition were able to be granted freedom from the present institutional heavy-handedness and were able to create or find some new resources that would be appropriate for our local church needs. Whereas, suppose, our, our Sunday school material would be based solidly on biblical pr principles. Suppose, 
Suppose we would be freed from the embarrassment of having to explain to church members why our church offerings support agencies such as the Board of Church and Society, which promotes the LGBTQ agenda, abortion on demand, and many other broad and highly political issues. Or suppose that our church's women's groups could be free to organize groups that address the spiritual needs of the women in our churches instead of having to be tied down to a national organization operating with very progressive progressive agendas. And suppose, suppose our churches could recruit pastors, pastors from evangelical seminaries known for their faithfulness to scriptures and instead of being restricted to graduates only from the university senate approved seminaries almost of whom all all are liberal even in the state of minnesota a number of years ago the methodist church didn't look upon the bethel bethel seminary and bethel college as a as an institution to have their ministers go to Suppose our, our conferences and our churches could recruit, recruit from seminaries that were more concerned about the local church than academic, academic standing that stood firmly on the doctrinal standards and the present disciplines and general rules of our United Methodist discipline. Father, we know that there's, there's a new, new movement on the church is always going to be the church of Jesus Christ, the body of believers dispersed into the world to be the salt and the light. But scripture reminds us that in the last days, the, the church of Laodicea in the book of Revelation says that they'll, there's going to be coming such a lukewarmness that Jesus himself will spew them out of his mouth. Help us, Lord, to be found faithful faithful to your word, faithful to tradition, reason, and experience. With every head bowed and every eye closed and Christians in prayer and those by way of television this morning, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, forgive my sins of doing wrong and not standing up for righteousness. Help me be bold in the expression of scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. Come to my heart and life. Help me to be a witness of your kingdom, of truth, and life in the way. Amen. Would you turn with me to our offertory prayer, printed in our bulletins, and we do thank those by way of television for their faithful prayer support and their financial support. We are one of the last um, televised programs coming out of your locale. And we try to bring relevant biblical and historical and contemporary news to you each and every weekend. Do pray for us financially and do pray for us uh, spiritually. Let us pray together our offertory prayer. God of grace and compassion, 
as we offer our tithes and offerings this morning, we remember the lessons in your providing the Israelites with manna in the wilderness. First lesson, you took care of their needs. Second lesson, you gave enough to meet the needs of the day and instructed them to look out for the weak and the needy. And finally, you made clear that accumulating more than they needed would not end well. Help us to learn from these lessons and what you have given to us by your goodness. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me for the doxology, please? turn back to your bulletins to page um, 655, the bulletin inserts that has 655, the final word taken from Revelation 22, and one comment I hear by way of television is that we, we, we really like it when you fill up that hour, and we try to be as close to the hour as, as possible. We have a few minutes remaining, and we want to um, share this scripture with you from the last book of the Bible, the last chapter, Revelations 22. The final word, I, John, am he who heard and saw these things, and when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brethren, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, Jesus says, bringing my recompense to repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. The spirit and the bride say come and let him who hears say come and let him who is thirsty come. Let him who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, the Bible, if one adds to them, God will add to him the place described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. And Jesus, he who testified to these things, says, Surely, I am coming soon. And God, come, Lord Jesus. Revelations chapter 22.